A year later, basically, um, I had pretty much the site done. It took pretty much a whole year. And during that year, my wife was like, what are you working on? What are you doing? I said, don't worry. This thing's it's going to make me money. And it's you have to be very dedicated and yeah, uh, that's for uh, sure. con- consistent. Hi, Deho, you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Today, we have a special treat for you. Now, as you know, Radio Film School is a documentary podcast where I tell the stories of filmmakers and creatives from a series of interviews. I pull from these interviews all the right sound bites to create a highly produced, story-driven podcast. I like to call it This American Life for Filmmaking. Well, every now and then I'll put up a sort of bonus episode, a full, uncut interview with one of my guests. And today's bonus is one such interview. In fact, this interview was actually for a completely different podcast. It may be a little known fact that I started two podcasts last year, Radio Film School and The Solar Creative. The Solar Creative was a series of interviews with professional creatives that work alone in their business. I wanted to glean from them habits they employ to be successful. I released a few solo creative episodes last year, but I eventually came to the hard conclusion that I didn't have the time to do both podcasts at the quality level that I wanted. Radio Film School had already really taken off, and frankly, I was more passionate about this podcast anyway, so the solo creative podcast quietly took a back seat and was put on the back burner. But I have these great interviews with solo creatives that I want to share, so I've been thinking about ways to incorporate them into my Radio Film School feed. So periodically, I'll pepper the Radio Film School feed with these bonus episodes. If you're making a living as a professional creative, or trying to make a living as one, and if you're doing it pretty much on your own, you'll get a lot out of these interviews. And today is no exception. Chances are, if you're serious about shooting and learning video, you've come across the YouTube videos of Dave Dugdale of learningvideo.com. Hey everybody, this is Dave Dugdale of learningvideo.com. So I'm comparing these four cameras again, the A7S2, FS5, C100. Red when the DSLR video camera hit the scene, Dave had a lot of questions about how to use it. So he made how-to videos so that he could learn. He then shared those videos with the world on YouTube and started learning DSLRvideo.com. With the advent of mirrorless cameras and the fact that he covers all aspects of video, he has since changed the name to just learningvideo.com. What started out as one man's quest to learn about video, all the while being self-effacing and displaying a profound sense of humility, has transformed into one of the most popular video learning channels on YouTube with over 170,000 subscribers as of this podcast recording and 20 million views. This interview was done almost a year ago, so you'll hear Dave reference 150,000 subscribers, but uh, he's well surpassed that. Dave has become a one-man powerhouse in the video industry. When Dave talks, companies listen, and you should too. In this interview with Dave, he covers how he got started, his strategy for making passive income with his websites, mistakes he's made in the past, where and how he learns, his philosophy on life and work, and the value of just putting yourself out there. I have no doubt you'll be inspired. And you'll realize how much hard work it really takes in order to have a successful, income-generating website like Dave's. Are you willing to put in the work that he did? 
Now, if you like these one-on-one style interviews with filmmakers, consider becoming a Daredreamer FM Premium member. Premium members get free access to my catalog of old podcast episodes from my very first filmmaking podcast, Crossing the 180. I think Dave refers to it in this interview. I've divided the episodes into categories. Currently, there are three available. Dope DPs, Vimeo Darlings, and Wedding Rockstars. You'll get interviews with such luminaries as Elliot Rausch, Ryan Booth, Philip Bloom, Shane Hurlbut, Ray Roman, Jesse Rostin, Kevin Shahinian, Joe Simon, the late, great David Robin, and many more. The next set I plan to put together is Docs That Rock, my interviews with doc filmmakers like Kirby Ferguson, Brian Storm, and others who have made a huge splash in the industry. Just head on over to daredreamer.fm slash x180 to learn more. And remember, as a premium member, you not only get access to these interviews, but you get free access to ebooks, templates, and other resources to help you grow in your crafting career. Learn more about membership at daredreamer.fm slash join. Membership really goes a long way to helping me keep this podcast and blog going, and so I appreciate your support. But you can also support the show by rating us on iTunes and giving us a review. I know you hear it a lot, but it's true. It really helps the show. Just head on over to daredreamer.fm slash iTunes to learn how. All right, that's enough of my babbling. Let's get to my solo creative interview with Dave Dugdale of learningvideo.com. Well, Dave Dugdale, it is a pleasure and honor to be talking to you again, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, you know, the first question I had for you was, um, you know, some mistake that you've made in the past that you really learned from or that you wish you hadn't that related to your business or your craft? Well, this uh, this first, I guess, mistake, <laughs> I would maybe talk about in terms of time management and um, I, I think that applies just about everybody. But sure. kind of the, the last mistake I did was I was filming uh, this one woman doing an interview, um, and we kind of pre-scripted everything. We kind of uh, um, had an idea of exactly what she was going to say. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, you know, we could probably do this in like 20 minutes. And usually what I do is like, okay, I'm just going to pretty much double it or triple it. So I said, okay, right. I got a whole hour. And uh, so this will be good. So I blocked off some time. This is where actually we're – on vacation in Hawaii. So my, my family's that down on the beach. I said, you know, just get out of the condo so I can film this. And, and this woman came in and we're working on the interview. And I was like, I was trying to be respectful of my family because I didn't want to like take too much time away from my vacation. Right. But I wanted to do a good job for this person as well. So, um, I said, okay, an hour should be fine. Cause you know, I did a lot of prep. We knew exactly what she was going to say. She had lines written and it's like a, maybe a two or three minute piece. So there's really not much dialogue to basically run through. And I knew I was, she's going to have a lot of stumbling blocks and you know, she's not somebody on camera a lot. So I knew right. I have to do it over and over again, you know, three or four takes for each line basically. So she gets there and she has her daughter, and she's oh, I'd love to, if my daughter could be in, you know, just a little few seconds into the video. And I was like, okay, we can do that. And then so, but her daughter's like, which I totally forgot about. She's like one or two, maybe. Uh-uh. So she's she brought her over basically in diapers because she didn't want the, her daughter to get messy and all that stuff. And so, like twenty minutes later, we finally got this, you know, few second clip done. So now I'm like, all right, well now I got to start setting my stands up, I setting my lights up, and we got the microphones going, I got two cameras going, and then it was like I was in such a time crunch because I knew. It was like the last day at this yeah. condo. We were in Maui, and I knew the maids were to be coming in about, you know, at this 
that time and they're going to be knocking on the door and there would be more pressure to finish. So I was like, oh, and then I was getting kind of stressed out. And that's the last thing you want to do when you're right. doing an interview. And then because that passes along to the person that's being and then interviewed. And they get more nervous. Yeah, they get more nervous. So I would say that to me, just time management, if I, I was, I should have set all the lights up. I should have had everything ready and I should have even blocked two hours off, you know, mm. for that thing. So I think every business owner knows that, that right. when you're doing stuff, even if it's like taxes or something like that, it's like, oh, I could do that in a day. But no, <laughs> it's, or like, cause I do a lot of coding or I used to do a lot of coding yeah. for my websites. And it was like, I knew pretty much if I doubled it, that would be kind of the, mm-hmm. the rule of thumb. And sometimes it's like, sometimes you just have to triple it. Yeah. <laughs> things just come up, you know, you're like, man, no, no, know. that's such a good point. In fact, I just had a similar revelation a couple of days ago. I was um, interviewing. Uh, I was doing sort of like a roundtable uh, discussion with a bunch of filmmakers from my other show. And, you know, prior to that, I was doing just like a one on one interview with this guy. And, uh, you know, he was asking, you know, you know, what time should we tell the other guys to come up for this roundtable? Um, and I knew the interview itself I was doing this guy was probably going to shouldn't have taken like more than a half hour, 45 minutes. But there was something in the back of my mind said, I better like set aside like two or three hours, which is what I did. So like I told him a, a time that was like two or two and a half hours out. And we ended like just in time for that for that next roundtable. So, yeah, especially when it comes to like video production, yeah. filmmaking. Any, anything deals with video or like even coding, it's just it, you might as double, well double triple it. Triple it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, totally. Um, no, that's great. It, it, it seems to me like that's even more than time management. It's about like preparation, right? Like whether you're prepared right. for yeah, a and I, th- I thought I was prepared because I was yeah. like, oh, we know the lines. We're going to – we have the scripted. I said practice your lines when we get there because I didn't want a reading. Yeah. I said I don't – because that's the last thing you want somebody reading monotone. I'm like, no, <laughs> right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So you got to have it memorized. And I knew she was going to – and, of course, she did like the first take. It was like, oh, you know, it came off kind of stilted. Right. And I was like, you know, trying to emphasize certain words and help her with, you know, to get the best out of it. And yeah. it – I knew it would take several takes for each line, but we didn't have that many lines. But just like the, you know, filming the the little baby, that just, man, I, and what do you do? You say no or, and it's well, like, I, I maybe sometimes you do. Maybe what, I, like, I should have said Little kids so. and animals are the worst thing to film. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Um, all right. Well, so question number two I have for you, Mr. Dugdale, is, um, you know, in business it's really important to establish like good work habits. What are your habits that you implement in your business? You know, the way I want to answer this question is mm-hmm. in terms of habits that keeps my my business going, um, I would say just being curious, mm. especially because of the business that I'm in. Yeah. Because, you know, I do the occasional, like I was talking about, like interview or promotional piece, and I'll do, you know, some other types of the videos that I work on. But a lot of times what I do is I, I create courses online and yeah. I – I spend a lot of time reviewing stuff. So for my business, um, I think a great habit to be is is just constantly curious and curious. But I mean, like I subscribe to a ton of podcasts. Like mm-hmm. I used to subscribe to yours, mm-hmm. which that podcast is not around anymore. But now we have but, some new ones, so you can yeah. you can resubscribe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, um, so I listen to probably maybe six or seven podcasts yes. a week. Yeah, and then so I, do I, easily. I subscribe to about 60 YouTube channels. Not mm-hmm. all of those on a weekly basis will sure. create content, but 
that, you know, helps my curiosity. It's like, oh, you know, this person described this particular um, thing this particular way. And I really liked how he did that method or right. he showed something like that. And I'll take a note and, and just staying curious. Like, you know, like I'm, I was just, before you called, I was doing a, um, comparison on the a7s, the Sony a7s was a very popular camera right now between S log cine four and like a natural picture style with the contrast turned all the way down. And then in resolve, I'm trying to you know, match the skin tones at a certain level mm -hmm. and then match the clouds out my window. And I'm trying to understand, you know, how the, you know, the dynamic range of each one differs. And while, you know, you're trying to keep your, the skin tone exactly right. the same in each shot. And then how do the, where the clouds fall and then where did the shadows against the wall fall and stuff like that. Now I'm always curious. I'm like, well, if I could do it that way, and then maybe I can describe it better in my course, you know, because yeah. I'm running tons of tests right now, and I haven't even recorded like one piece of, of this course yet, but I'm <laughs> running lots of tests so I can describe it better. So I think, really, I mean, because I've had several businesses, this is being one of them, because I've got many websites, mm -hmm. and the same thing applies to some of my other businesses, like I have a website on real estate um, rentals. Um, I had one on solar power for a while that I haven't done much with. Um, I've got some other websites. Um, and basically, it's just staying curious. And uh, to me, it's like knowing what's going on around you and asking lots of questions. And like, mm -hmm. even if you don't know the answer, maybe ask a smaller question that might get you to the bigger question to understand what you're doing yeah. a lot better. Yeah. I think a good follow up to that to your answer would be you know so this idea of subscribing to like you said like 60 youtube channels and then you know the number of podcasts you listen to you know i think one concern i could see people having particularly if you're a solo creative is just the idea of just overwhelm and noise and like how do you find the signal versus the noise and everything and and how do you manage all of that i mean do you do you set aside certain parts of your day or certain parts of your week to kind of go through all of that content or is it just as it comes in you kind of tackle it as you as like you know as those subscription emails come in yeah i i would say because i'm in a unique situation where i don't have a lot of a ton of paid clients usually i mm -hmm. pick the projects that i want to work on and sometimes yeah. i'll just do them for free just for the experience and content for my courses right so um, I'm probably really bad at answering this question because I, I get I get sidetracked so quickly. Like yeah. some new email come in and like some offer. Somebody's like, hey, can you write a – because yesterday uh, one of the guys from Digital Rev. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know Digital Rev. Sounds familiar, like, yeah. Yeah, they're the guys out of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. They do lots of cameras. But he's like, hey, do you want to write a – you know, article for our blog. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. So, <laughs> so I'm writing up an outline and like, when does it do? And you know, it's all, I just started on it and that took me right. away from what I was doing before, but I get distracted very quickly. But if I were, um, you know, constantly doing client work day after day, mm -hmm. um, that probably wouldn't work too well. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, one, <laughs> one thing that's worked for me and I, and I've written about this on my blog and I've talked about it like at seminars and stuff is, is creating block times where, you know, where you basically you set aside certain days or certain blocks of time throughout your week for, say, blogging or for marketing or for editing or whatnot. And and obviously it's not, 
you know, it, it's flexible. You can change it as necessary. So d as shoots come up or whatever it is that you do, other things come up, you can switch it around. But, you know, having those set aside periods of time so that, you know, maybe if you are like yourself where you do get so much email or subscriptions, you set aside, okay, you know, two hours a week or an hour every day or whatever it is that works for you to do just you know, reading through the emails that you want to read through or watch the YouTube videos that you subscribe to. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think I'm, I'm very disciplined because yeah. when I do work, I get things done. Yeah. Um, but I am in a unique situation where I make a lot of passive income from my courses. So sure. the the money that I'm getting now, I mean, you know, last year I was spending three months on a certain project, but that money is still coming into me now. Yeah. So it's putting me into a situation where I can somewhat kind of goof off yeah, yeah. Well, that, <laughs> in a way but but that goof off sometimes becomes that part of the curiosity it's like oh i want to try this or do that um and that leads to other questions that help me yeah. learn um yeah. but, so i don't know if i'm the best person well, to ask in terms of that type of question yeah, well, i do i do goof off uh, creatively a lot but i when i do work i do get this stuff done it, yeah. it does happen well i mean obviously i mean the success of your channel and everything you're doing is a testament to that but you know i wonder you were talking about your passive income you know is one of the podcasts you listen to smart passive income by um um by pat have you ever listened to that i podcast? think i have heard of that in fact i think they actually I, maybe even Carl Olson told me about it that they actually talked about me on the podcast and i listened to one of their episodes because i think they talked about me and that's the only that's the only reason I know of that podcast. I might have listened to only one of them. Sorry. Well, no, no, that's quite all right. Um, the reason why I asked because one of the things he talks about on that podcast, and he has a very successful um, blog and podcast. He speaks at New Media Expo. You know, he he and another podcaster listened to John Lee Dumas um, had the habit of breaking down every month like where all their revenue comes from, and so um, one of the things that he talks about is. Uh, sort of like these niche businesses where he, like he's created a blog um, and a niche site that's geared towards food trucks. And he created one earlier that was geared towards like security guard or something like that. And so you were talking about like niche businesses and passive income. Um, how is that pretty much like your business uh, empire, for lack of a better word? Is it, is it made up of a lot of little different like niche businesses that you've created because you talked about coding websites and stuff like that. Like, what is it that you work on? Like, if someone were to tell you what's your core business, what would you say? How would you answer that? I would say, I mean, I make money in a lot of different ways, but I would say, I would say, gosh, that's a good question. I'd say education mostly, but yeah, uh, it's and it's a weird business model because I've created, I don't know, I have like almost one hundred and fifty thousand followers on YouTube. So it's a weird business model where you create a very large audience and you know that you're going to sell just to a very tiny fraction of them. Right. And most people won't put in the the effort to create the massive audience to get that to where you can create mm -hmm. this passive income. Because pretty much I know if there's going to be a certain percentage no matter what I produce, somebody's got these that certain group is going to buy it. And right. that that's what propels me to make the basically 99% of the other people that don't pay, let's mm -hmm. say, they get the free content of what I deliver on sure. my YouTube channel. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird business model. I don't know if I really answered your question. Well, no, uh, no, 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 um, no, you did, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll fine-tune it a bit. So, like, if you were to give advice for someone who is interested, because I think, 
you know, one of the things that I've been learning personally as a solo creative is, okay, how can I create passive income? Like, how can I like either build a platform or build an audience whereby I can you know, create the kind of income like you mentioned, where you put in a lot of work on the front end that creates something that can generate work on the back end. So that, you know, the only way I make for a lot of us in this industry, the way we make money is when we pick up a camera or when we code a website or when we you know, design a logo for somebody. And so unless we're actually working, no money's coming in. You know, what advice would you give to creatives out there who may be interested in starting some type of smart passive or some type of passive income related business? Well, I guess maybe I could answer it with a story. Sure. And it's basically um, uh, when my first daughter was born like 12 years ago, I started Mm -hmm. this because my wife is like, uh, do you want to work first or do you want to, you know, because we were going to switch off Mm -hmm. like in terms of kids. And so I said, you know, I, you know, I was in a situation where I could quit and then I could go back to my old employer quite easily. So I said, I'll quit and I'll stay home for a few years with our first child. So first child didn't do much, um, <laughs> you know, you know, cause you know, ba- the diapers and stuff. So I was like, I right. got lots of free time. Let's create something. Wow. So I started on a real estate website back then. And, um, I, every night for two hours a night, I spent uh, coding up and I didn't know anything about coding back then. I bought a big, thick book, um, really thick book on cold fusion. I didn't know anything about it. And I just started working my way through the book and I started coding this up, outlining it. And I was very, um, uh, I was very on task, you Mm -hmm. know, every night I would put in two hours. So I don't know, two hours times 365 days, you know, a year later, basically, um, I had pretty much the site done. It took pretty much a whole year. And during that year, my wife was like, what are you working on? What are you doing? I said, don't worry. This thing's it's going to make me money. And it's, you have to be very dedicated and yeah, uh, that's for uh, sure. con- consistent. And sure enough, you know, when I turned the site on, it just, it did. It started making money. And I was like, like, my wife's like, okay, that's cool. We're making <laughs> babysitting money. That's cool. And then it became, you know, like, you know, kept growing to where it was mortgage money yeah. every month. And then it kept growing past that. And it's like, and then she's like, what, what is this? How are you making money? And I'm like, and I'm, you know, we're out on a vacation and the money's rolling in. I said, look how much money I made today. And it's like, you're not doing anything. I know. <laughs> Cause me, you know, my wife is like married to the paycheck. She loves right. having a paycheck where I'm kind of the opposite. It's like, how can I do this in such a way where mm-hmm. I can just sit back and work on the projects that I want to work on. And that's really how, learningvideo.com came to be actually yeah. it was before that was learning DSLR video right. um, is I had so much free time mm-hmm. because of the success of that real estate site that I could spend so much time mm-hmm. being curious and testing cameras um, yeah. that that now has become my main uh, breadwinner is the the camera site whereas the real estate site now since I haven't touched it in years has right. actually gone down significantly but that and was it did it what, what exactly did the real estate site do? Did it... it was basically a rental website where mm-hmm. people could post. Uh, it was a national rental website. Got it. So they could post a listing for like 30 days to get their house, okay. or their house rented. Right, right. So, so and I, I knew nothing about coding and I right. created it. So I, I felt almost felt like a one-hit wonder when I created that site and I was mm-hmm. making tons of money from it. I was like, oh, this is great, but can I do it again? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with the learning uh, video site, I was like, maybe I can do it again. And sure enough, I 
you know, just was very consistent. Again, this mm-hmm. was a different business model where I had right. to create a very large audience to sell to a very small percentage. Um, and yeah, now I'm doing quite well at this site as well. Yeah. So, were you when you started learning um, video.com, um, previously learning DSLR video? Did you start going into it with the intention to build an audience that you were going to monetize, or was it just I like doing this and I want to share it with the with the world? Yeah, it was basically because I was trying to create spoofs from my real estate website to get more links. The more links I get, the higher I rank, the higher yeah. I rank, the more money I make. And I was trying to figure out how to get a blurry background. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I had a camcorder and I couldn't do it. It's like, how are these people doing it? And the, and the people in the forums are like, Joe, I just buy a Canon 5D Mark II. And I'm like, whoa, that's expensive. And then the T2i came out. I was like, oh, I can afford that. Yeah. And then I bought it and I was like, okay, now I'm, this is, this is tough. There's a lot to learn with this darn camera. Right. So I was like, what the heck? I'm going to like have to do some research anyway and some testing. Why don't I just share it? And so I started sharing it, not really thinking too much about it. Um, and then people were like really took to the channel and I guess my delivery of, you know, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here, but watch, see what I'm doing. And uh, people really liked it. So um, it was one of those things where I've thrown up other websites because websites are like five bucks a month. They don't cost much at all <laughs> right. for hosting. So you throw a bunch of up on the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And that one stuck and some other ones fell to the ground. Sure. But um, in terms of I am so much happier working on this site compared to the real estate site because oh, yeah. the real estate site dealing I would go out and interview product property managers and if there's any property managers listening they, they <laughs> no were offense. not the, they were not the nicest people yeah. um, but this community of video people are very sharing very sure. open and I just really enjoyed this particular vertical much better than real estate yeah. well one of the things I've always loved about the content that you put out is how self-effacing you are and I think you don't give yourself as much credit as you probably deserve but you get a sense of authenticity from you which I think is very valuable and you also get a feeling that you know hey I'm just that you're just sharing what you know and like you don't you know you don't pretend to be you know some you know incredible talented DP or whatever it's like this is what I learned this is what I know and what I like about that, it's like encouraging because I would hazard to guess there are a lot of people out there who maybe have a talent in whatever it is that they do, whether it's filmmaking or photography or graphic design, and they probably have a modicum of knowledge that they could share, but maybe they feel like they don't want to share because they're not as good as whoever they put on a pedestal. What would you say to someone like that? Um, yeah, that's a, I would say, I think... Going back to where I said before, I subscribe to 60 YouTube channels. Yeah. And I think by watching all of those, you kind of get an understanding like of like, oh, this guy thinks he knows what he's talking about. He really doesn't. And <laughs> it's a real big turnoff and people are like unsubscribe or right. that kind of thing. And whereas there's other people you watch, like you say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here, but let me show you two examples of what I'm trying to try here and tell me what you think. And, you know, being open and honest, like I, I, I because I think people today, hmm. especially when it comes to video, I don't know about your audio podcast, but in terms on the video side of things, they can see right through you if you're trying to BS them, you yeah. know, because they, yeah. <laughs> and they've got a very um, well-educated audience, especially on YouTube, mm-hmm. the people that watch YouTube and, and can quite quickly sniff out those people that think that they know what they're doing, but they yeah. don't kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to be as humble as I can. So I, my advice would be, if you want to do something similar, especially in a, an area of like that you're really interested in, but you feel like you don't know exactly what you're doing, just be honest and 
definitely show your enthusiasm for your your love of what you're doing. Because yeah. I think if you don't do that and you're just very monotone and right. I don't know what I'm doing, people are like, okay, I don't care. Right, right, right. But if you're like, come on, this is this is really cool stuff. Let's let's learn together. Um, I think a lot of people will come along, not just because. Um, they're not getting maybe, you know, if you're watching Shane Hurl, but his stuff is, which is amazing. Um, that guy really knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, but you might get five nuggets of information from one of his videos where you might get one or maybe a half a nugget <laughs> from <laughs> one of my videos. Um, but if you're, it, the thing I learned from Shane Hurl, but is he's very passionate about what he does yeah, he and is. it shows through really well. And I think, especially if you're getting in front of the camera like I do, because there's a lot of people do screen flow or, you know, screen capture videos. And you never see them. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big mistake. I think you need to be on the, you need to be on camera, at least part of that, even if you're yeah. doing a screen flow type of thing. Yeah. Um, so my advice would be, you know, be humble. And um, if you don't know something, don't, don't try to cover it up. Like, Oh, we're not going to cover that because it's, you know, it's too much time to cover it. Because people right. are like, I know why he's saying that, because he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he just doesn't want to cover it because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, it is. And you know, I mean I think I think the answer to those questions are better than the uh the last other question I asked you to answer. Um so we'll bypass that because uh I think this has been so inspiring. I mean you you inspire me because you know again the whole idea of you know, just putting yourself out there, even if you don't feel like you're necessarily um, the best in the business, but being authentic and honest. And, you know, one thing I learned a while ago um, from this photographer, his name is Scott Bourne. He started PhotoFocus. And I remember he was teaching. This is like when the DSLRs first came out and he was wanting to learn it. And I was showing him something basic. Uh, and he was like just blown away by what I taught him. He was and he was saying you should like write about that or teach about that. I just took it for granted because to me it was like so basic what I was showing him. And what I learned was that like there's so there's always someone out there who doesn't know as much as you. Yeah, exactly. And there's usually more people out there than you think. And, you know, if you just, you know, put yourself out there and you'd be surprised that either the audience you can create or the platform that you can build. And I think you're a great example of that when you look at, like you said, you know, 150,000 plus YouTube subscribers and you know, just the brand you've created yourself. You've done a great job. So hey, you know, kudos. Yeah. And also, I mean, on on the flip side of that is I, I after I published my GH4 video mm -hmm. um, last summer, I think it was, um, I actually got this email from this guy. I can't I think it was either from National Geographic, one of their um, one of their film crews that they go out and they yeah. shoot. I can't remember exactly which show it was, but he says, hey, can I call you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so he called me up on my cell phone and we're talking. This guy is like, you know, from L.A. and has <laughs> tons of experience and, you know, way more experience than I do. And he was like, that was just a great video. We're going to try this camera for a lot of our, you know, the type of out in the field stuff that we've got coming up. And okay. uh, I just want to call and say thank you. And, you know, I really enjoy your humble attitude about all this. And you're not trying to come off like a. I know it all. So yeah. not only will you get people that are watching, you know, below your level, mm. um, but you, sometimes you get people <laughs> that are watching yeah. way above your level. So that's yeah. that's very inspiring to awesome. to know that people are, you know, all sorts of people are watching yeah. their videos. Yeah. Well, well, Dave, where can people find you on the internet and find, you know, if they're interested in learning about video, 
um, where can they where can they go to find you and learn uh, learn about this stuff? Well, my website is learningvideo.com. Um, if you just type that in, you'll you'll find me, and I've got YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, you, you name it, Facebook. <laughs> and are, are they all learning video? Yeah, well, pretty much. The only one I haven't been able to change yet is the um, the URL for um, Facebook. But I think even if you type learning video into Facebook, you'd still right. find And people. And what is your handle on Twitter? It's Dugdale, my last name, D-U-G-D-A-L-E. Well, Dave, really appreciate having you on, and um, I will continue to follow. And I look forward to where we can actually meet in person. Like we've met via the interwebs so many times but um, hopefully we can actually meet in person real soon yeah if you go to NAB let me know that's yeah, usually absolutely. the place that I yeah. see most, most people is at NAB in Vegas alright all right. well we've been speaking with Dave Dugdale of learningvideo.com check him out uh, thanks a lot Dave thank you nice talking to you yeah thanks again to Dave Dugdale for taking time to share his wisdom and experience and thanks to all of you for listening As of this recording, Dave recently came out with his Sony A7S training video. It's only 49 bucks, so head on over to learningvideo.com and check it out. I think he also has a Panasonic GH4 training video too. Remember, check out daredreamer.fm slash x180 to learn how you can get access to my back catalog of other fascinating filmmaker interviews. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. You can follow me on Twitter at DareDreamerFM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. Another way you can support the show is by supporting or visiting our sponsors. Check out Muse Storytelling's new Story Builder software at buildstory.org. Sign up for a free 14-day trial. We're also sponsored by the video collaboration service, Whipster. Go to whipster.io and use the offer code RadioFilmSchool, all lowercase, all one word, to get your first seat for just $13 per month. Now, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably into gear and tech and those kind of things. So if you haven't already done so, check out my non-NAB, NAB wrap-up episode. It should be about two episodes before this one. Technology and filmmaking, this is not your mother's NAB wrap-up. It's FJ16. It's one of my favorite episodes this season as we discuss some of the most provocative technologies at NAB this year, but in true radio film school fashion. NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters Convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. What started out in 1923 as a small convention in New York for radio broadcasters has become the mecca of radio, film, and television professionals around the world. It was reported that over 100,000 people attended this year's show. It is by far the largest convention and expo of its kind for the industry. It's a place where you can go to see all the latest and greatest tools, toys, and technology. Well, today on the show, technology is our topic. But in true Radio Film School fashion, you can expect that this will not be a rundown of the latest and greatest gadgets to hit Vegas this year. As far as this show is concerned, what happened in Vegas can stay in Vegas. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School, a filmmaker's journey. Um, so, you know, the stuff in the past, I think, I think I'd much rather kind of focus on the future, you know. That's all for now. See you next Tuesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Podcast to go.